0: The Google Podcast app is going away in April. Right now, I want you to take a look at the podcast app you're using right now. Maybe it's time for a new one. Check out podcastapps.com and try a new one for free right now. That's podcastapps.com.
1: This is
2: Writing Class Radio, where you'll hear true personal stories from the students in our class and learn a little bit about how to write your own stories. I'm Andrea Askowitz, the teacher of the class.
0: And I'm Allison Langer, a student in the class. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit and figure out who we are. There's no place in the world like writing class. And we want to bring you in. On
2: today's episode, we're talking about voice in a story. Voice is the tone. It's the mood. It's the personality of the narrator. Voice can be created by word choice, sentence structure, and even punctuation. You can convey voice through writing. If you look at the stories that people write, the people in our class— They're not grammatically correct. They're like... Dashes, dots. I'm guilty of that. Yeah, Yeah, dashes and dots. Right. But when they tell them out loud, that's what's what's so great about out loud stories. The voice, our physical voice is how we sound. Mm -hmm. That carries a lot of weight. The thing is, if punctuation is not done correctly on the page, your story is not getting published. But you can use punctuation to your advantage. Page breaks, dashes, ellipses, even commas. Okay, I won't bore you and Allison with this right now, but I just did a craft talk on punctuation. You can hear that craft talk and all of our craft talks at writingclassradio.com. Today on our show, we're talking about voice as it's interpreted on the page. We're also talking about what happens in life when you lose your voice. I think finding your voice is the most important element in storytelling You should write like you speak because that's what makes your story yours. And that's what helps the listener or the reader connect with you. If you don't use your true voice, then your story doesn't sound true.
0: It doesn't. You can tell when somebody else has written something for someone else, like editors, sometimes they come through really strongly and and it's a possibility to lose somebody's voice, right?
2: What happens most often is writers start to write in, like, a writerly voice that is totally not theirs because they think they have to sound smart on the page. Like, I totally do that. Yeah. And um, that's just not funny or cool or it's not true. That's what's wrong with it. So if you're writing in some writerly fashion, like I just did, I just said fashion, You never say fashion. Right. Okay. So I just got writerly, and you could probably hear it, and you're probably rolling your eyes or tuning me out like Allison just did. Good
0: God. Who has time for that shit?
2: I meant to say, don't write fake shit. Don't use a fake writer's voice. Don't put on airs. Stay true to you. And that's what we're talking about on this episode. Here's a tip on how to avoid sounding fake. Think of one person who knows you well, and write to that person. So I always write to Allison. And if I write something fake or try to sound smart, I can always hear her voice calling me out. Allison is the best at writing in her own voice. She writes exactly how she speaks. So on today's episode, we're bringing you one of her stories. The story is called Fucker. I say it better. Fucker. (laughs) Yeah, it's fucker. Got it. Fucker. (laughs) This story was recently published on the online magazine Scary Mommy. Later in the episode, you'll hear a story by student Leah Serati, who you might remember from our last episode, where she revealed her secret pleasure.
3: I was so hooked to the feeling of being someone else, someone spontaneous, someone other people looked at, that I kept going back. The next time I went, I chose a white dress.
2: One if you missed Leah's story in that episode, you probably want to go back and listen. On today's episode... Leah's story shows what happens when your voice is restricted. The last story on this episode is by student Missy Hernandez. Her story shows that if you lose your voice, you could lose sight of who you are. Here's Allison reading her piece, Fucker. Warning, if you're in the car with your children, you may want to listen to this another time because you're going to hear the word fucker.
0: Saying fucker in front of your mother feels really inappropriate, unless you're my son Sloan. He's seven. He began blurting out the word last year when he lost his temper. The first time was at the dinner table. My dad was sitting with the kids. Like always, I was plating spaghetti and meatballs when my 10-year-old daughter Blake said to her 12-year-old brother Jackson, Sloan got his card flipped today. I know that getting your card flipped in school is a big deal because it happens often with Sloan. And then I get a call from his teacher. You fucker. My dad yelled, whoa! And Jackson and Blake started laughing. I yelled from the kitchen, what did you just say? Sloan said nothing. He just stared at me, his face turning red, his teeth clenched together and his eyes filled with tears. I pointed to his room and said, don't come out until you are ready to apologize. Then there was a loud slam of his door and an even louder scream. Fuckers. You're all fuckers. The next time was after school when Blake rushed through the door and ate the last donut. I was in my office and heard Sloan say, You fucker. Excuse me? I sent Sloan to his room. This time, I followed behind. I said, using that language in this house is against the rules. Jackson uses it. Blake uses it. I told him I had not heard them use that language before. Then he said it. Mommy, you use it. I stared at my son. What could I say? He's right. I love the word fucker. I say it all the time. But not around my kids. At least not on purpose. When I lose my temper, it comes flying out. Are you fucking kidding me? When I drop a carton of milk, fuck! And when I'm in traffic, forget it. I yell at all the drivers like a mad woman. You're blocking the fucking intersection, you fucker. What the fuck are you thinking? (laughs) Lately, I don't send Sloane to his room when he drops the F-bomb. I just look at him, raise my eyebrows, and shake my head. The same thing he does to me.
2: Okay. This is a great example of writing like you speak. In this case, the narrator's voice is created with her word choice and her familiar tone. You're hearing her read her story on this podcast, but if you read this piece on the page or on the Scary Mommy website, Allison's voice would still come through loud and clear.
0: When somebody shares their story with you or when I read a story in a in a magazine, I need to feel like that person's giving me a gift that they haven't given anyone else. Like, I want to see beneath the veneer, beneath the facade. I want to hear something true and new and vulnerable. Because if you're just going to show me what's on the outside, some bullshit facade, then I, I just, I stop reading. I'm like, no, I get fake shit all day long. I don't need to read it, too.
2: This story is also a great example of the hidden dangers of being that
0: true all the time. Now your son speaks exactly like you. Yeah, that's a problem. But you know, I was always a kid. I was that same kid who was always in trouble for cussing. People were always telling me to stop cussing. And I just, I wasn't going to because I, it, cussing was a way for me to assert my power. And as a kid, you know, you have none. And as an adult, sometimes you feel like you have
2: none either. Like for our next storyteller, Leah Serati. Leah wrote this next story in class In response to the prompt, fuck.
3: In high school, I used to be able to curse in a way that was clever and intertwined with the SAT vocabulary I was trying to build. I used to love hearing it, like when I went to visit my single aunts in Venezuela and they would speak so formal, yet they would drink whiskey and smoke and effortlessly utter vulgar Spanish curse words, making them lovely contradictions. But once, when we were dating, Caesar told me he didn't like when girls cursed. So I made an effort, and being as strong-willed as I am, I completely eradicated all curse words from my vocabulary. We got married two months after we officially started dating, which means eliminating the F-word is a lot easier than one would think. Only it's not, because I miss it. I miss being able to shock people, being able to weave curse words into passionate and heated debates. I miss being able to stub my toe and scream out uninhibited to release the pain. I miss being able to drive a point, win an argument, and then end it with a perfectly chosen F U to salt the wounds. Like if my high school writing teacher had given me this prompt, I would have filled wide ruled composition notebooks with expletives until it was confiscated. Then when I asked for it back, and Mr. Crespo had me sign a detention slip on the blanks where I was supposed to write what I thought of my behavior, I might have signed it with a, this is BS. But today, instead, I'm silenced. If I'm being honest, I think that cursing is only one way I've been silenced. It's only one part of me that I gave up in my 20s, and I'm trying to recover in my 30s.
2: Oh my god she said it herself not cussing feels like she's not being honest now which so tr- many years later yeah, yeah yeah now after so many years of am not saying fuck what's natural and true to her voice are words like bs and the f word
0: the f word
2: The yeah, yeah. i know the f word no one's ever asked me to stop cussing has anyone
0: yes yes i had a boyfriend ask me to stop cussing he said he didn't like it when i cussed I was like in my 20s and and I guess I don't know I just wanted him to like me so I was like oh let me try this well we didn't last (laughs) long I think we had one more date after that how long did you go fuck you yeah no I I just feel like um I felt like he was trying to control me and I don't like that I don't think I ever like that I don't think anyone likes that so I don't know I I love to cuss and I always have. And I just, I don't know. It feels powerful to me. And I like that. Listen, I probably would be a better person. Actually, people have said to me, you know, your podcast would be much better if you didn't keep cussing. There have been people. I Two. Oh,
2: I was about to say, oh, shit. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Dang two it. people. And I get it. I think, like, there's probably a time and a place. And it's not always the time and the place. But, and then because I do it so often, it kind of comes out. But I don't know. I just, it feels more real. The point is, cussing is true to your voice, and it's also true to the podcast's voice. Writing Class Radio, that's, we're cussers. Yeah. We just, but thank God for Leah. She softens it a little bit. She just says the F word. (laughs) Right. I love it. Before we get to Missy's story, here's a word from our sponsors us. Hey, this is Allison, host of Writing Class Radio. I know there are many of you out there who don't have access to a writing group or someone to look over your essay or manuscript. If that's the case, I can help. I'm available to help you whip your essay into shape. I'll read through your draft, offer suggestions, line edits, and I'll spend time with you brainstorming for the best possible ending. But be prepared to answer the question, what is this story about? Because if you don't know, nobody knows. You know, sometimes it takes more than a bath or a long walk to figure this out. It takes a brutal editor who will tell you what works, what needs more explaining, and what needs to go. For more information, visit writingclassradio.com. Then email allison at writingclassradio.com. Use the code WCR and your first 15 minutes is free. I'm Allison Langer, and every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern Time, I host First Draft. It's a class, kinda, because you'll get a little bit of instruction, but mostly it's a group where you come together with other writers online, write to a prompt and share what you wrote. It's the only way to get better. Come join me. Check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com or go to patreon.com slash writingclassradio to learn more. Back to our show. This is Allison, and we're talking about voice. I'm so excited to share this next story. It's not easy to hear, and it wasn't easy for Missy to tell. But this story shows what can happen if you lose your voice. I don't mean when you get laryngitis and go hoarse, I'm talking about when someone gets in your brain and you lose your sense of self. Here's Missy Hernandez reading her story,
1: Weighing Heavy. Weighing Heavy. I was 18 visiting my aunt and uncle in Chile when I found my school picture from first grade. I was six years old with olive skin, my hair short and frizzy, and a giant grin. I wore a mustard yellow shirt under a green and yellow plaid dress. I sat on a wicker chair with a background of flowers. On the back of the picture, my mother wrote, here's Missy's school picture. As you can see, she gained all the weight back. At the time, I lived in Miami with my mom. I didn't want to go home. Yes, I had college in front of me and friends and my room, but I also knew who was waiting for me. I didn't realize the shit my mom always said to me was fucking me up. No one had ever said anything different until that trip. One night... My Aunt Sandra took me out to a bar. She had this beautiful black trench coat that I was obsessed with. She let me try it on over my jeans and black shirt when we were getting ready. She saw me checking myself out. I asked, how do I look? And she said, you're drop-dead gorgeous. How else are you supposed to look? At the airport in Miami, my mom got out of her car and I went in for a hug. But I took it back half a second in. Before saying hello, she pinched my stomach and said, you got fat. Welcome home, I said to myself. That was 17 years ago. Now I'm 35 and living with my mom again, and to this day she will caress my face and say, you have such a pretty face. But before I can count to three, she'll hit me with, just imagine how much prettier it would be if you lost some weight. Last week, I was coming out of the shower and my pajama shirt rolled up over my belly button. She looked at me and started laughing. My God, Missy, look at your gut. And if I ever dared to wear a tank top without covering up my arms, I can expect a comment about covering up or changing shirts. In her mind, it might as well be illegal for the world to see my arms, even if it's the middle of the summer and I'm melting under a long-sleeved shirt. One time after a dinner party, I mentioned to her that I thought her friend's son was cute. Well, he doesn't date fat girls, so you're going to have to lose some weight for him to even consider you. Before I could understand that what my mother has always said was wrong, I just took her word for it. Now I'm trying to push her voice out of my head and find my own. I wish it were as simple as just diet and exercise. But I've spent so much time being verbally beat down and it started at such a young age that I don't hear my own voice in my head. I hear hers. I look in the mirror with my shirt off and I hear my mother's voice reminding me that I could have skipped a meal and gone to the gym. That anytime I'm sick, it's an opportunity to lose weight. That I'll only ever find joy if I change everything about my body. I was working from home one day and I went downstairs for a slice of Munster cheese My mother was having a cup of tea and some bread. She stands a little over five feet. She has a small frame with a bit of a pot belly. Her doctors have told her for years to lay off the bread and caffeine. At first because of her liver problems, then because of her diabetes. And even when her doctors diagnosed her with non-alcoholic cirrhosis, her diet did not change. I've sat in doctor's visits over and over again hearing them tell her that the key to her health was changing her diet and exercising. And yet multiple times a day you can find her having tea in a basket of bread with butter. Even after her liver transplant surgery, she came home and wanted nothing to eat but tea and bread. She thinks she's my authority on nutrition and she literally ate herself into cirrhosis and a liver transplant. I wonder whose voice is in her head. Certainly not her doctor's. I opened the fridge and reached in for a slice of monster cheese. My muscles already tense in preparation for what was about to happen. Why are you eating? Try to have some self-control. I said, Mom, I've only had a sandwich and some water today. I don't feel well. Well, you can't feel that sick if you're eating. People that are sick don't eat. "'It's just a slice of cheese,' I said. "'Learn to control yourself. "'You shouldn't be eating between meals. "'Actually, you're supposed to have a snack between meals "'to keep your metabolism going,' I said. "'Well, your body can afford to skip a snack here and there.' I grabbed my water and cheese and walked away. And what if I did lose the weight? Would I feel good naked? Would I enjoy sex? Would I believe a man when he's hitting on me? Yes, I would win for myself, but she would win too, and she'd proclaim my life on track because I finally lost some weight. I could snort cocaine, but if it made me thin, she'd be happy and think I was a success. And I just don't feel like giving her the satisfaction of a victory. In a sense, this body is a giant fuck you to her, and for that reason alone, I could probably live in this body forever. Maybe that's where the conflict truly lies between my mother and me. We fundamentally disagree on what has always made me beautiful. Right now, I'm living with her at her house again and I feel homesick all the time. I don't know what it would take to feel at home in myself, but I know eating my feelings did not bring me home. All I know is that I'm fighting hard to find my voice. I don't know what it would take to get my mom out of my head. But I've started her eviction just the same. If I can just train my mind to hear her negativity as noise, I have a real chance.
2: I hear it in her voice. She's going to do this. She may have lost her voice somewhat, but Missy's still shining through. I hear her attitude. Like when she comes back from Chile and says to herself, welcome home. And I hear her determination when she says, I've started her eviction. That is such a funny way to say, mom, get the fuck out of my brain.
0: Yeah. Damn, our moms and our weights. I get it. My mom's in my head, too. I can't even have a bowl of mac and cheese without hearing my mom say you're going to get fat. Gosh, I think by writing this story and saying it out loud, like just really working on it, she's on the right path to recovering her voice. Go Missy! Thank you, Missy and Leah, for sharing your stories, and thank you for listening. If you have a business for a startup, let Andrea help you tell that story. She'll come to your office and teach all your employees how to better articulate why they do what they do. Because stories sell. And I'm for hire, too. Let me help your high school seniors refine their college essays. Email info at writingclassradio.com for a quote. Writing Class Radio is produced by Virginia Laura, Andrea Askwitz, and me, Allison Langer. Theme music by Ari Herstand. And additional music by Justina Chandler, Blue Jay, and Poddington Bear. Writing Class Radio is sponsored by and recorded at the University of Miami School of Communication. There's more writing class on our website, Twitter, and Facebook. Study the stories we study and listen to our craft talks. A new episode will drop the first Wednesday of every month, so look for us. And if you want inspiration in video form, we have a three-part series for sale on our website. Andrea and I show our faces for radio as we reveal our top writing tips. Go to writingclassradio.com and download our videos. $20 for one and just 50 for all three. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours?
2: Tell me if you're ready. I'm ready. Oh, really? Start? Yeah. Oh, okay. This is writing class radio. No, sorry. <laughs> I like that. I always have trouble starting. I thought that was one of your best stories